Hey guys, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I'm Neil Rubenstein, and I am in traffic. And today I will be talking to Josh Burwanger of the band Burwanger and the anniversary. Hi, is Josh there? Uh, yeah, he is. Sorry, he's just washing his hands. Oh, that's no problem. Uh, All right, here he is. Great, thank you. Uh, hello? Hi, Josh. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. That threw me for a loop. I, I didn't even know how to deal with that. I've never... <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, I was, uh, we are cooking some stuff, and I... Got some chicken out, and um, I, it was right when you called, so I thought it'd be smart to wash my hands before picking up the phone. It's just weird. Like, I guess no one else answers anyone's phones anymore. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. People really don't do that. I mean, yeah, I guess I don't. I, you never really think about that. And, like, no one knows anyone's phone number really either, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah, just and I hit you know I just type in Josh and then and hit the number, and then like exactly. and then a woman answers and I'm like, uh uh uh, is Joshua <laughs> home? Is Joshua allowed to come play? I don't know how to talk to people on the phone that I don't already know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. So what uh so what's going on, man? You're like you're uh you're busy. I've been thankfully very busy here the last, I mean, I mean, you know, I've been kind of, uh, working it, you know, the last like three years musically and, uh, cause I took a little bit of a break from music for a while and, uh, yeah, just, you know, kind of put out a record three years ago and then put out an EP last, the end of last year and been on the road pretty much straight for straight, like since then. And I've uh, been working pretty hard and have some good things kind of coming up now. And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty good. I mean, you know, it's uh, it was kind of uh, starting at the beginning again. And, uh, yeah. You, like, you gave a couple of shots in, like, different incarnations. Like, what made you decide to just do it as Burwang or, like, just, like, uh, go yeah. for it this way? Well, you know... Uh, after anniversary, uh, kind of decided to stop playing for a bit. Um, I started the only children and like right away, right after we were like, okay, let's not play anymore. And, um, I originally was going to just call it like Josh Brewinger and the Holy ghosts. And then, uh, Jim and Janko and Casey from hot rod circuit and, TK uh, Webb, he started playing, and um, it just turned into a band. And so I was like, all right, well, we should call this a band name instead of just something fronted. But I thought originally it was just going to be me with, like, you know, people who were, like, they play sometimes and some other dude was playing next time and so forth. Because, I I don't know, I I feel like a band should, for the most part, be, like, these are the people in the band, you know, and... But, I mean, I guess this day and age, every time you see a band, I feel there's always, like, a different member. 
in it and so forth. So, I mean, that got me to, that got me to just like wanting to call this Burwanger because it's like, well, you know, I'll be there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're playing live. It's like, I feel like we're, we've kind of turned into the London of like, I don't know if you remember that band London from LA. Yeah. It was like every, every dude who ever played or yeah. And a heavy metal band and stuff seemed to be in that band. That's kind of what Burwanger's turned into around Kansas city. <laughs> it's weird how like some bands can survive like the member changes or member uh you know but other bands don't seem to navigate that as well you know yeah I, you know i think like at the end of the day I've, I've come to the realization that it's who wants to be there you know and is the music good and if that means you know you got to find someone else to play with you it's like do you want to do this? And you can tell pretty much instantly if someone's into it within the first couple of shows. And uh, I don't know. It's, but it's a hard thing, especially, you know, as getting, as you get older and it's, uh, it's just, it's harder to find people. And it's always hard to find someone who wants to put in the work, who's able to like go and tour, who's not a fuck up, who could be somewhere on time. And, you know, you trust who can play, you know, just like who's a and, player. And, so and, and isn't already obligated somewhere. Like, those people are so hard to find. That, so hard. Like, when you do find them, it's like, oh, they, they play with this guy. Like, they play in this band already. They play over here already. Exactly. exactly. I guess yeah. I, I haven't given – I guess Dubin gave me uh, some files – uh, right away, Josh Browang on the Holy Ghost, and then yeah. later I had seen the Only Children. So, like in my head, it was actually two different projects. Gotcha. Yeah. So, it, it, so it, I was like, yeah. "Go ahead." No, no, no. Go, you, no, you go. This is you. Oh, I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was the same demos and stuff from that, but then it just turned into the Only Children, and then we put out Change of Living, and that whole thing pretty much no one paid attention to and it was I mean it was done we did it like looking back at it it's like we did it all wrong and it was kind of also in the time of MySpace was start like kind of starting and like everything was kind of changing in the industry and we went on this what I should have been like trying to like piggy but piggyback off of like the anniversary but instead i just kind of like put the record out went on a full u.s tour the u.s tour was like the most in debt i ever came back i mean i'd never came back in debt from a tour and so we went out and did the whole u.s and came back seven grand in debt and then it was just i was like sit yeah i don't know i don't know why we even kept going but uh the credit cards really piled up and uh so then we were, I just was, like, sitting there, and Jim was like, hey, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Jacob was like, I can't do this anymore. And so then I was just like, you know what? It's time to maybe just take a break for music. And that's, uh, you know, that's when I took uh, – I actually, we actually put out one other record a couple of years later. And I kind of was, like, in between, like, what am I doing? I had a son after that record. And, you know, we were doing some cool tours and stuff. And – on the second record, like we sort of like the meat puppets and did some good thing in Portugal, the man. And, but it just, I don't know. It was, 
I just needed a break, and so I took like a seven-year break from music. Jesus, was it that long? I feel like it was about, it was about, it was really about like five years, because in the sixth and seventh year, I started picking up the guitar again, but I I didn't pick up the guitar once, really, within five years. I was just kind of like, mostly musically, anything musically I was doing was just buying records and, you know, but not really going to shows, not just I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but that was like the time when I was coaching like high school girls basketball. I had heard that, <laughs> and I was like, like it didn't make any sense, and also made perfect sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like oh yeah, no, of course, Josh Berwanger, yeah, yeah, coaching girls basketball. That makes absolutely perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Are you, like, a basketball fan? Like, did you play basketball growing up? I played growing – I played until my freshman year, and then I was just – the coaches just kind of screamed the entire time, and I didn't have any friends. Like, when all the dudes on the basketball team wanted to go to Hooters, you know, for, like, a party, I wanted to go to the Guitar Center and stuff. And so I just didn't relate to anyone. And then I loved the game so much, I tried out my junior year. But, like, during tryouts, I had tickets to go see Green Day. And I, so I went up to the coach, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, it was like Green Day at Pansy Division. And I was like, I went up to the coach, I was like, hey, on Wednesday, or I think it was Thursday, Thursday I have tickets to see Green Day, and I've had these for a while. And I remember, I mean, this was pretty, I don't know, Vivid, uh, the coach was like, well, you need to make a decision between rock music and basketball. And so, you know, I went to the concert and, uh, that some, somehow, like, I got backstage. Like, Mike Dirt handed me a backstage pass after the show. And so I went backstage and I'd never, like, I didn't really like smoke pot or smoke cigarette. I'd never sm- inhaled anything at this time, this time of my life. And I was sitting in the circle with, like, the Pansy Division dudes and Billy, Mike, and Trey. And then, like, all of a sudden, someone came in and just threw this huge joint. And I was sitting next to Billy, and Billy started it and passed it the opposite way of me. And it just, like, kept going around. And by the time it got to me, it was, like, nothing left. And I was like, oh, God, I guess I have to do this. So I put the <laughs> joint put the joint to my mouth, and I what I thought inhaled. I blew, I like tried to exhale and I go, and nothing came out. And I just like looked at everyone. I was like, that's good. (laughs) That was it. And that was my first time smoking pot in parentheses. And then I didn't go to the tryouts the next day. And that was kind of the end of my very uh, famous basketball career. Not famous. (laughs) And so. Like when you when you kind of like when you made a decision to not play music anymore, like what? Like I, I just did you know someone was like a relative on the team? Like how does how do you just coach girls basketball? I didn't. I was like music. I was honestly. I was getting real. I mean, this is the same old story. Every musician's been here before, and every. I mean, saying this, everyone's be like, "Yep." I get that. It was just like, I was kind of just jaded at the point. I felt like, you know, Only Children was kind of this, like, Neil Young uh, kind of sounding 
Americana country rock band. And that wasn't, when Change of Living came out, that was like not a, that was kind of not cool to do. Um, it was in certain markets, but mostly like, you know, what fucking anniversary fan wants to check that out? None. And um, so I just got really jaded after the second record. And I was like, you know what? I need a, it's kind of like anything. When you see someone complain on Facebook or something like, I'm sick of these posts of this or that, or I'm sick of this or that. And my reaction is, well, no one's forcing you to get on Facebook. No one's forcing you to look at them. And, you know, you don't don't waste your energy, like, telling everyone else you don't like something. Go do something else, you know? (laughs) And that was kind of how I felt, where it was just like, well, no one's, like, if I'm really, like, this upset about, like, what's popular and why no one likes this, or I just need to take a break and be done with it for a while. And, you know, so, yeah, I was just done with it. And um, I ran into a teacher at... Um, a grocery store, and I was like, you know, I was thinking about coaching girls. I was co- thinking about coaching basketball. I did, it wasn't specifically girls, and I, but I wanted to do high school. I wanted to do something serious. And um, she said, "There's an opening," and I went and got the job. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, really, no one wants to do it. It's very time-consuming, and you barely get any money. But it was a perfect change for what from going from music into something else because I was around people who like, you know, it's a very creative like place to be. It's like coaches who are like, you're designing plays. You get to be around kids who like are in high school and like, you get to like put a positive influence in on them on, you know, give them direction and let them know things that you learned throughout your life. And so it was really great. But then it just, you know, the music bug just kind of, crept right back in and here we are it's also a great like part of your narrative because it was like well i had to make a choice between music and basketball and then when you got sick of music you went back to basketball yeah like why 100 percent. it's like why does someone have to make a choice i can't you know it's this or that well obviously it wasn't you know yeah that's totally 100 percent um i did you find it uh, – how was the experience coming back to music with, like, uh, essentially fresh gears? It was great. I mean, it was, like, I was kind of – a lot of, like – I was listening to just, like – I was listening to this band. They actually just signed to Fat Records. And um, uh, before I became buddies with them and stuff, they're called the Mean Jeans. And um, they're this pop-punk band from uh, Portland. And I got their first record, um, and it was so. The hooks were great. It was fun. It was. It, it's a record where like I could still I put on any time all their all their songs really I could put on any of their music any time and. Uh, it's like if I'm bummed I could put on a song if I like. Am like really excited for something, and it made me just kind of realize it's like, you can have fun, and everything doesn't have to be so stressful. And so I kind of went into the the record. The first record I put out was called Strange Stains, and I I kind of went into writing that record with that, where it's like, oh, this is a this is a minute and thirty second song, and it's like everything doesn't have to be so intense and like so much pressure on yourself, and 
so that was kind of one of those like things that made me realize, oh, it's fun. Music's fun. It's like it is serious at times, and you have to work hard if you really want to do it. And you really want to get out there, but at the same time, you need to realize it's there. You should not always be putting pressure on yourself, and that's kind of what I was doing originally. So, but getting back into it, it was starting at the bottom, having like no ego whatsoever about like where I'd been or what I'd done. Starting at the you know, like we still sleep on people's floors when we go on tour. It's like, so what? It's like I love it, and you know, I'm I'm fine with that. I I found that like the I might be totally off, but the Strange Stains album almost felt more like the record. Maybe not right away, but it felt like a growth from Your Majesty. Whereas, like, the Holy Ghost, well, of the Only Children stuff that I heard, I, I guess really the Holy Ghost demo, um, seemed like a different band altogether, you know? Yeah, I could, yeah. Like, is that, was was that by design at all? Like, was that, did, were you trying to get away from something, or were you trying to recapture something at any point? I was kind of really trying to, you know, in the, the Strange Stains record kind of started off, I was doing everything acoustic. I kind of felt like it was just going to be um, very percussion, kind of like the like before T-Rex changed it to T-Rex, it was Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like those records, it's just kind of two dudes, and it's like percussion and acoustic. And I found that like is maybe one of the bigger influences, along with the Mean Genes, where it was like fun at times but also serious very simple and then i sent some of the demos to or the what actually became the songs i thought they were demos but uh to michael who played drums on it and he kind of just took those and turned them into more rock songs for a good half of it so i don't know if it was essentially like building off of your majesty it was more of just focusing on you know, doing something totally new. And if that, I mean, I could hear definitely now that you're saying that some of the songs being somewhat similar to that style. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I mean, I feel it's almost a mix between that only children record and that your majesty stuff, which was just sort of natural. And like, to be also, I mean, we don't, we don't know each other that well. I mean, we toured together a couple times, but the the newer stuff has more, like especially this last EP, like has more of your personality. You know, like it feels like, oh yeah, this is like this. Josh is a weirdo, and that and this is this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas the the only children stuff. Uh, again, I'll just I'll refer to it as the Holy Ghost demo because. I don't remember the record after it, really. Uh-huh. But, yeah. um, like, that demo didn't feel like... It didn't feel, to me, it didn't feel like I was listening to something that is so obviously you, whereas the new stuff, like, oh, yeah, this is that dude for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, you know, the the anniversary is always going through these, like constantly being influenced because we were so young and 
you know, jumping from genres of like not what we were playing, but but what we were playing also, but like what we were listening to. We were constantly searching for records when we were on tour, um, like weird, obscure, you know, somewhat obscure, I guess, not by today's standards, like folk bands like Incredible String Band and Davy Graham and Burt Yanch, and then like you know weird reggae records. Um, and oh, we were just always looking for that. So anytime we would hear something we loved, we would try to transform it into some to a song of our own. Especially like from the process of writing Your Majesty on. And um, you know, I think I was going. I mean, obviously at the end of that, I was going through a whole like folk, like weird country thing, and that really influenced like the Only Children stuff. And then now it's like we're at an age where all those influences have like settled and you kind of find more of your own voice. And, uh, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at now. And I feel very comfortable as a songwriter, um, right now. And it's a really good feeling. And that's kind of what pushes me every morning to continue to do this and create, even though I'm still like really not, you know, I still, when Berwanger goes on tour, we're happy if like 40 people show up, you know? Oh, did you guys go out with Pat uh, recently or no? Oh yeah, we did. Uh, we did. We opened for the Get Up Kids on uh, the West Coast tour. Oh, cool. That was cool. That was a good time. Definitely. Um, we have a we have a record called Exorcism Rock that's coming out in October on uh, Doghouse Records. So we're really excited about that. We worked with Doug, who was one of the producers of Your Majesty. Um, so we're kind of getting the artwork together for that right now, and um really excited about it. Like, you're still hustling, right? Like, you are you don't make your living, like, you're not paying your mortgage for music right now, currently, are you? Oh, fuck, fuck no. I'm constantly, constantly hustling. Like, every day. I, I work, I'm working on things every day, like, whether, but definitely it's like music is the forefront that I'm constantly working on. There's always something that can be done. I'm always trying to you know, further what I'm doing right now. And, you know, the ultimate goal is to, you know, again, be able to do music as the main gig of life. Was that, did that have anything to do with the decision to stop playing music when you did? Like, uh, like seeing so many, not so many, but are seeing kind of, exploded a little bit and a lot of people got lucky and then uh-huh. the people that didn't get lucky it like it, it was rough like it was rough yeah but you know i made a decision to do what i wanted to do i never not that i made a decision i just did it and right. i've always done that and that's probably why i'm like playing to 40 people a night i could have easily like exploited emo music and done something that wasn't me and made a lot of money doing it. And, but I'd be so unhappy. Um, that's, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, we, we share a lot of the same friends and we see, we know the paths that they go. And we've seen even some of our friends who are in really rad bands or who are just like really great friends. And they approach the music industry totally different instead of like, well, I'm not going to make any music being in a band, so I'll get into this aspect of the music industry, which could be managing or it could be, 
you know, being part of the merchandising companies and so forth. And it's great for them. They're making a good living off of it. And um, for me, it's just, I just continue to, I just want to put out what makes me like feel every day. And, you know, uh, and I, I just, to be honest, is like, I was never into the emo music. Like, I just like, when we put out designing, like one of the first questions I think was like, "Who are your favorite emo bands?" I was like, "What's emo?" Like, I didn't, I didn't get it. And the words changed so much, but like, the, I guess like the closest things I ever listened to that were like that were like bands that aren't even considered that. I was like, I was like, you know, like Dinosaur Junior, like, which I don't consider an emo band, but that's like kind of was like my thing. Is besides like Ozzy Osbourne and Guns N' Roses, you know. Right, right, right. Did you did you know the Get Up Kids when when anniversary started? Well, Robin and Adrian had started dating like during the the Get Up Kids have been touring and stuff, and I think they were just signing to Vagrant around that time. And Adrian and Robin dating for a couple months before then, like four four months, six months, something like that. And um. So they were kind of checking us out at the time, and we were checking them out. And I didn't know them personally, but, like, everyone knew each other in the scene through, like, band names and so forth. I definitely have seen some of the some of the bigger artists that, from our world that, like, they're not happy, you know? And uh, and I, I find it really interesting. Like, you you spend your whole life working for something that you think – you want and then you get there and you're just like you can't even really enjoy it are you saying wait are, can you rephrase that question I just because you were just saying like you weren't happy and like you were going to do something that made you happy oh and, right okay and, and I I know like some people from our world that they made their success and, uh-huh. like, they're not happy. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the anniversary was even that way, where it's, like, we put out Design and Nervous Breakdown, and people loved that style of, like, indie pop, synth pop, and some call it emo, whatever, that's fine, too. And people loved that record. And then we put out Your Majesty. That was totally natural to us. We didn't look at it as, like, we're going to go just change it up on everyone and we're doing this to prove a point. I mean, there was nothing like that. It was just natural. It was the way that we were progressing as a band and people got totally pissed off. You know, well, there was like, it was like half. It was like, some people got really pissed. They're like, this isn't designing a nervous breakdown part two. And you know, the other half was like, Oh, this is great. And I, now I it's love like, that record. Sorry. Thank you. I don't mean to interrupt, but I love it. Oh no. Thank you. And I feel like, a, you know, a lot of those people a few years later, even now, um, are are like, man, I didn't like this at first, but as I got older, it grew on me. And that's rad. That's so great. And, um, and everyone in the anniversary who has continued to do music has continued to evolve on um, every project they've put out and put out really rad music. And I feel that's just kind of... I don't know. I I don't know if it's like a, it's it's I think it has more to do with like 
pushing yourself and continuing to like evolve. And, you know, it's a lot of the records, a lot of records I buy these days are like these reissues of like, you know, this record was put out in 1974. There was only 500 pressed. Um, the guy, the guy couldn't make it as a living, you know, or so forth, but we're repressing it cause it's fucking badass. So, yeah, I mean, you know, just like there's so, <laughs> whatever. I mean, there's so many and, um, it's like, you got, I think like it's, it's, it's something like if you're putting out shit and selling a million records, that's going to end up in the dollar bin, you know, and no one's going to yeah. care. But if you put out a rad record and only 200 people buy it, it'll catch on. And it may not be in your lifetime, but it will catch on. So the purpose is is to believe in what you're doing and work as hard as you can. And if you don't see those results, that's not a failure. I, I think that's uh, great advice, like, in every art. 100%. Like, that's not not music-specific. That's like, if you are doing what you believe to be good, you know, if you... I mean, I guess it helps to have good taste, but if your taste is good and you're doing (laughs) what you think is good... (laughs) Like, if you have bad taste, uh, yeah, your shit sucks, man. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think... You know, who's, I mean, who's, you know, that's a weird thing, too. You're right. I mean, like, because I know you're, you do comedy. My girlfriend is a very great actor. And, um, I, you know, we, I put out records that sometimes 200 people buy. But it's like, it's having good taste and believing in what you're doing and working hard at it. And, like, that whole, like, taste thing, it's like, you know, I've come to this, the terms with, like, there was a time where I thought, like, man, how can you, like, how can you like really like Backstreet Boys or how could you really like Nickelback? And then Uh my, my thinking on it now is I don't really care if you want to like that and they want to put that music out. Good for them. That's totally great. If they totally believe in it, then good for them. It's like, I'm not going to listen to it, but if you want to like it, I'm going to, you can like it. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. Like be like, well, this is why it's bad or this. It's like, that's not my, there's no, I don't have two cents to say, tell someone what they can or can't like or why something's good or not good. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Rogers is as good a songwriter as Paul McCartney, you know? I, you know, uh, Steve Albini, like, famously uh, paraphrased this, like, old John Peel quote, and I'm going to butcher it now also, but it's something to the effect of, if you're making something that you believe in and I don't like it, that's that's my problem, not your problem. 100%. Like that, and and I, I back what you're saying. I mean, I'll make fun of some stuff in public. I'll make fun of Creed and Nickelback in public. But, sure. But, like, really deep down, it's none of my business. You know what I mean? Obviously, people are digging it. And some, they're doing something right. I think it's garbage, uh, but, you know, I can't really. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> there's not there's not much words for it. I just, like, I worked in a record shop for a while, and the amount of, like, and I contributed, the amount of, like, trash talking on everything 
I mean, there's, a, there's just as much praise for a lot of things as well. And I was, you know, I always had my two cents as well as everyone else did. And, um, you know, it just got to the point where I was like, well, how can I find the good in every little thing? Because I'm going to have to sit through this anyways, you know, a record or so forth. And looking at music that way, just or or a movie or a, or a comedian or a book or whatever it is, um, you know, like trying to find like, okay, I I don't get why everyone likes Taylor Swift. I don't understand it. So let me like listen to this. Okay, that melody's kind of catchy. I get that. You know, it's yeah, that's like a really cool way to look at things. Like I remember, I remember someone saying to me that they didn't. They weren't a fan of religion. They weren't a fan of the Bible. But uh-huh. it wasn't until they studied the Bible that they could say that they weren't a fan of the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, they, right. had to edu- right. they, like they had to educate themselves on the thing before they could really commit to that conversation, you know? And I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would put that much effort in. I'm not that good of a person, but... I uh, <laughs> I, I definitely I. see the thing, but like I, I mean, I guess like because I I see a lot of comics every day, you know, like open mics or or, yeah. or showcase shows, yeah. and you know some aren't great, you know, and and I have to sit through a lot of stuff, but like I learn from all that stuff, you know, regardless mm-hmm. yeah. of whether it's good or not, you know, the things that they're doing that I don't like, I can start to identify and be like, all right, well. Make sure you don't do that because you don't, you personally don't like that. Like, and, and definitely. And I, I wish people like kind of took that note into like commenting on like stuff on social media where it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you hear, yeah, exactly. But it's like people you hear people complain. It's like that, this, and that, and then they're like, it's just so like so boring. It just sounds like all the people who you, like you like. Is like as a person or something they're used like i assume for guys like us it's like they don't like donald trump but they all sound like donald trump when they make like these remarks online and stuff you know yeah we no we had donald trump at our venue uh the venue i work at yeah and and I, i'm yeah i'm 100 percent anti-donald trump fuck that guy uh but there was like all these people like writing us emails and calling the calling the venue, being like, how could you do that? How could you let him speak there? And it's like, well, it, dude, he can speak wherever he wants. You know what I mean? Like, why can't he – like, you don't agree with him, but why can't he speak? Why can't he – you know, it was just like a weird – it was a weird thing. Yeah. You sound as intolerant as he is. Like, yeah, he's fucking exactly. intolerant. So make sure no one votes for him. But, like, let these idiots hang out. Like, uh, whatever, you know, we're going to take away right. their right to fucking, you know, say whatever it is they want to say. All right, uh, there's consequences, and when he says something stupid, there'll be a consequence for it. Right, exactly. Like, dude, yeah, totally. I mean, there was a little blurb on the anniversary recently, and someone sent me a I – don't, I don't read any of that stuff because I just, like – I don't pay attention to it, number one, or don't know when it's posted, but someone sent me a screenshot and it said, there's a photo of us and it said, this band looks stupid and they, uh, it said, I've never heard this <laughs> band before, they look stupid and must suck. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's fair. I was like, oh, that's like, that sounds like something that 
Donald Trump might say, it's just like looking at someone and saying that they like they, he doesn't like the way they look, so they must suck. Yeah, no, that's a fair assessment. Though. You know, like you guys, it's amazing. you guys look like you suck. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you look, I mean, I lo- you look like you suck. That's kind of cool. But I mean, you know, you look like you suck. We've definitely seen some bands where we're like, yeah, they look like they're gonna be. Fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like you can you can kind of tell sometimes. So, usually you know, they're really mu- usually they're really muscular though. Yeah, yeah. Have a goatee or something. <laughs> I remember playing some shows with some bands where like you'd walk into their dressing room and you'd be like, "Oh, these guys are gonna be terrible." <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! Right? That's how that's how that's how the judgment should go. You walk into the dressing room. Look around for a couple of seconds, and then the assessment can be made. <laughs> Not just the press photo. Like you have to. No. You have to be in their green room to really yeah. make signals. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> What's on your rider here? Right. Some, some Oakley blades. Uh, there's some real obnoxious shit on this rider. This band sucks. <laughs> Definitely. You need a tea kettle and an ironing board? Fuck these guys. Fuck this band. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's that's my rider. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. <laughs> an ironing board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that way too many times. That's uh, horrible. Uh, I mean, whatever. For me, that's... You know, good uh, for you. Uh, that's what you I, do. <laughs> you know, we, we, we don't iron our clothes. But to make money, we do, like, the staff. <laughs> so our guarantee comes through, the ironing board and iron. Uh, like, oh, you guys are uh, playing, too? Oof. Uh, like, no, no, we're just going to do your laundry. And uh, does the bathroom need to be cleaned? Is there Ajax yeah. on the rider? Dude, I'll tell you what. We're not good at playing our instruments. We get clean the fuck out of the venue. <laughs> More bands should do that, should offer. It's not a bad idea. I'm starting to uh, write these notes down. Play 30 minutes at Queen Venue after. Josh, uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. This was, uh, this was great. I really uh, really appreciate it. Dude, Neil, thank you so much for asking me. It was great talking to you. Um, I, I, I know you're in Kansas City for a very short period during the playoffs um, some months yeah. ago. Yeah, I was there for like 24 hours, yeah. Did you get to go anywhere cool or see anything cool? Uh, just the game. That was it. A Waffle House and then the game and then the hotel room and then the airport. Did I landed the first like, time? Yeah. Yeah. No, like- I've been to Kansas City before. And well, I know you've been stuff- there, but the, the stadium... Oh, yeah, that was my first time in the stadium. And I Sunday was at the game, and we still couldn't manage to hook up. Like, the game was just too intense. Neither of us wanted to leave our seats, basically. <laughs> we're, like, Facebook, yeah, we're, like, Facebook messaging each other, like, uh, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm over here. I'm like, all right, I guess if you leave your seat, let me know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I was there. Maybe I was there, like, Actually, I was there less than 24 hours. I got in at like 4 p.m., and then I had to leave the hotel at 4 a.m. Ugh. Yeah. That's a diehard fan right there. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I really wanted to experience the World Series, like uh, you know, my team doing it game one. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to do something like that again. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, All right. But yeah, well, you're going to be in New York. You're going to be in New York in uh, a couple months. So I uh, hope to see you there. I'll see you in September. All right, man. Hell yeah, have a safe trip home. All right, you too, man. Be good. All right, later to the end. Jerk, Neil.